Welcome back to the Joe Show here on Dion Family Network, episode 28. We got week 10 NFL recap. Uh, I was going to save some NHL thoughts, but really nothing much going on besides the new uniforms, the reverse retros. A little more difficult to talk about that when you can only hear hear my thoughts about it. Maybe if there's some time towards the end and just a crazy last day really since recording friday was more about rumors now there's actual trades there's even crazier rumors and the nba has really been flipped on its head in the last 24 48 hours and it's only going to get crazier as we get to the draft and free agency let's start in the nfl and then we'll head over to really just ridiculous i don't think anybody was expecting the this to happen in the nba this quickly after the Thursday night game, obviously the Colts cementing themselves more as a playoff team. First up, just a really bad game. Not because these teams are bad, but just mostly due to weather. Cleveland takes down Houston 10-7. I think the real story that came out of this, first of all, was the weather. The game was actually delayed an extra 30 minutes due to lightning in the area. Um, then Cleveland has the ball. Up 10-7 at the end of the game, Nick Chubb breaks out a run, clearly running for the end zone, and this is where this is where gamblers kind of there's there's two two games this week where gamblers just kind of got I don't want to say screwed, but definitely unfortunate events. This was one Nick Chubb runs out at really the one yard line, the half yard line, so Cleveland can kneel the ball and win the game. Cleveland was favored by three and a half; they were up by three. As someone that picked Houston, it did fall into my favor, but the other game, which we'll get to, did not fall in my favor. I have to give credit, though, to the NFL because they actually scheduled games well this week because there were five 1 o'clock games and six 4 o'clock games. It's really, I mean, I think it was more to do with the Masters than anything, which kind of I didn't even think about talking about that just because it was pretty pretty lopsided Dustin Johnson one of the lowest scores in uh, PGA history 20 under I think it was one of the four four lowest scores um, so yeah it was just it was just more interesting to see that it was going on not in April because that's usually the time of year that we get it that we get the Masters at Falls with March Madness, or maybe just after March Madness. But yeah, the NFL actually did some did some scheduling right. Uh, next up, Washington. Alex Smith almost pulls off a pretty pretty remarkable comeback. The Lions take it thirty to twenty seven. I think Alex Smith threw for. I just want to look it up to make sure I'm right. Three hundred and ninety yards, no touchdowns or anything, but. Still an impressive day. Matt Stafford, 276 yards, three touchdowns. And this game was kind of set to go to overtime, but Detroit with a late drive. Matt Prater, deep field goal in Ford Field, but still Lions get out with the win. They move to 4-5, and five, Washington 2-7, and seven, looking for a high draft pick this year. Next up, uh, the Green Bay Packers survived Jacksonville. I 
the 13 and a half point spread I thought was a little much just because Warren, Wisconsin, again, we're already in kind of bad weather games. Jake Luton actually played pretty well. He kept kept the Jags in it, but I think it was more the defense and you could just kind of see where Green Bay was lacking on their on the offensive side of the ball. They couldn't really get drives together. They held hold on for the 24-20 win, moved to 7-2, and two, and uh, looked to be, I don't want to say in control, but definitely a little more comfortable in the NFC race. Next up, big, I don't want to say big upset just because this division is horrible. The New York Giants take down the Eagles 27-17. Uh, turnover-free game, which I don't think we would have expected from Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones. It's a division game. It's always going to be good, but um, Carson Wentz, 208 yards passing. Daniel Jones, 244. Jones also with 64 rushing yards and a touchdown. The Eagles just really can't get this together, and honestly, at this point, I think it would be more fun if the Giants come back and win this division. I don't think the Eagles are going to be able to do anything against whoever that fifth seed is which right now it looks like right now it would be Tampa I just think Tampa would walk in there and just would just wash the Eagles so at least the Giants already had a competitive game with Tampa uh, but this division makes makes us want like it kind of just we'll get to the playoff picture after we get through all the games but right now just it sucks that we have to have an NFC East team like why if we just to, if we just take out the NFC East, you could move up. Tampa would become the four seed, the Rams are the five seed, and Seattle's the six seed, and then you have the Bears, Vikings, Lions, and then actually even the Niners, the Falcons, the Eagles, the Giants would all be battling for that last spot, and they're all within a couple games of each other. But instead, we have the three, five, and one Eagles holding a division lead over are the four seed and the five seed is Tampa at seven and three. Speaking of those Buccaneers, they take down Carolina 46-23. A real bounce back game. I liked Carolina covering this game. Five and a half is it seemed attainable. Brady and that offense seems to have really I don't want to say pieced it together because they've always been good. Just had one just really had one bad week. I mean, Carolina kind of sucks that they're in this position. Again, them and the Chargers are probably the most fun teams that we're not going to be able to see in the playoffs. Tampa just... It definitely is a turning point of their season. I think it's something we're going to look back and say, okay, they had a big response against Carolina. Well, I guess it, really at this rate, it's what are they going to do in the playoffs? Next up, an absolute heartbreaking game. So back and forth. Arizona takes down Buffalo, 32-30. Really, the whole game was really good. I think, again, the better and the better in everyone. The gambler, I guess, is the better way to say it. Bills, plus one and a half. Get that late touchdown. Look to be in good position. Kyler Murray drives them down from about the 50-yard line. Throws up a Hail Mary. DeAndre Hopkins is in triple coverage, and not just any triple coverage. I don't know who the third guy that ran in late was, but the first two were Tredavious White, the Bills' number one corner, and 
I think it was Micah Hyde. It was either Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer, which two of the best safeties in the league. And Hopkins jumps over or jumps up over all three of them, gets the ball, two point win with a one and a half point spread. Again, if you, if you split Houston and Cleveland, that's I think that's pretty fair. If you if you ended up winning or losing on both of those, that's just an unfortunate situation. Arizona takes over the lead in the division. Buffalo kind of, not that they needed a letdown game, but it's kind of, if they went to 8-2, and two, it would just it would feel a little unrealistic. 7-3 and three feels about right for the Bills. Next up, Las Vegas. They take down the Broncos, 37-12. Really just a bad game from Drew Locke. The Broncos really... Before the year, I thought they were something. They're they're really not. They need more pieces. I don't think coaching is the problem. Obviously, next year they're going to get Von Miller, probably the key piece of their defense back. So I don't think it's it. It sucks for Denver, but for Vegas now they're fully in this playoff picture. Currently sitting as the five seed, and really, if you look at the teams chasing them, obviously they're all. Six and three. There's Vegas, Miami, Baltimore, Tennessee, Cleveland, with New England kind of lingering. But right now, out of those teams, Vegas is definitely the the not to say the best offensively, but they've earned their spot. And I mean, right now, a first round matchup with the Colts that's a pretty enticing matchup, and I think might even be an upset. Uh, next up, Miami, another one of those teams in that race. They take down the Chargers, 29-21. This game never really felt that close. Miami scored early, like, scored early and often, and the Chargers came back, falls short. I don't really know what to say about this team beyond hopefully they have a new coach next year. I don't want to say hopefully wishing someone to lose their job, but it's just... If you look at that team, especially if they're going to get Derwin James back next year, the way this team finishes games is just unacceptable. And I know Herbert, Justin Herbert's young, but he is not the problem. It's just, they just freeze in these big moments. And I mean, for Tua, three straight wins, kind of has looked more and more impressive each game. He scrambles a lot more than I remember him in college. I think that's good as long as he's safe. I think this is where everyone tends to freak out and think, oh, he's a running quarterback, he's going to get hurt. But really, just being mobile is important. Think about Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger, two guys that can't move, and they're always, not always injured, but they're very injury-prone. Speaking of Ben, the Steelers take down Cincinnati 36-10. Another game that I thought would be close. Bengals coming off the bye. Joe Burrow kind of always seems to cover. Pittsburgh really just dominated. They moved to 9-0. and Cincinnati's 2-6-1. This would have been a real swing to maybe make a playoff push. I, unrealistic, but both of these teams are heading in the direction we kind of all expected. It's Cincinnati, again, Cincinnati's in the same boat as the Chargers. Maybe it's a new coach, but... Just one one more year, build that offensive line. I think Burrow makes that 
AFC North even more fascinating, and there's realistically three playoff teams. Next up, the Rams take down Seattle, 23-16. Russell Wilson for MVP. It just, I'm not, I'm not fully ready for the funeral. Definitely on life support. He's just not looked. He looks really burnt out. I remember the beginning of the year was all about let Russ cook and the Seattle offense is unleashing him, but now it's it just has seemed to caught up with caught up with them. Their defense is horrendous, and Jared Goff wasn't even that spectacular, but he just kind of did enough to win, which I think is exactly the kind of quarterback you need. I mean, three hundred two yards. We're not talking about nothing, but. <clears throat> Russ, 248 yards, two interceptions. One really bad one in the end zone. Just just not a good game for Seattle. And for the Rams, they tie technically in record. But I think, I mean, are ahead of them in the tiebreaker. For Seattle, they're still a playoff team realistically, but... At this rate, they're going to be the bottom playoff team and are going to have to face one of Green Bay, New Orleans, Arizona, unless they really pick it up and win that division, which even if they do, I think I think it's going to be tough no matter who they play in the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, which I think is a realistic question. They might not make the playoffs. The way they're playing, let's see... This, this is when we'll get into who do they have left. All right. Um, so this week, even Thursday, home for Arizona. That's a tough game. Who team they've already lost to kind of sent this. It was their first loss of the year and kind of sent them into this mini spiral that they're in right now. Then they're at Philadelphia, home for the Giants, home for the Jets, at Washington, home for the Rams, and at San Francisco to end the year. So, best case scenario, you're looking at... If they lose this week to Arizona, it is realistic panic time, but you're getting at Philadelphia, home for both New York teams, and at Washington. They should win all four of those. Philadelphia is not a realistic playoff contender. The Giants will probably keep it close. But the Jets in Washington, the Rams game will be, I mean, definitely an important one. And then at San Francisco, they're already dead in the water. So that going down the stretch, I think losing more than two games is is a travesty. And they shouldn't deserve to be in the playoffs if that happens. Next up, New Orleans take down San Francisco, 27-13. I think the bigger story of this is Drew Brees, broken ribs. He has a collapsed lung, unsure when he's coming back. The Saints are seven, seven and two. Yeah, they said seven and two now. Really, the story of this game is Brees, but now for the Saints, you get even more kind of trickery options where. Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston could basically split snaps. You have no idea what's going to happen. This is kind of the perfect opportunity for Sean Payton to show what the post-Breeze era is going to look like, where Taysom Hill could be a a starter type, 
not a full-on starter because I just don't think he has the maybe like the awareness of a quarterback. Not that he's not a good quarterback, but he's used more as it's it's kind of hard to even talk about what position he is because he's kind of just like a weapon because he does special teams. He could really he could play defense if you really needed him to, and he could play running back, he could play tight end, he could play quarterback. You could kind of just put him anywhere, and he'll figure it out. For the Niners, the season's a write-off. Next year, you're going to get most of your blue chippers on defense back. It sucks that that Week 17 game with Seattle isn't going to be worth anything, but it's just the way some, sometimes it's just the way football works. Next up, Sunday night. Definitely not a game we expected. The Patriots take down Baltimore 23-17. An ab- a monsoon, just torrential downpour in this game. Cam Newton versus Lamar was, I think, better than what we expected. Lamar, 249 yards passing, two touch, two touchdowns, and an interception. Cam Newton, 118 yards, and a touchdown. Both of them carrying the ball. Lamar, 11 carries, 55 yards. Cam Newton, 11 carries, 21 yards. The real story of this game has to be Damien Harris, former Alabama running back with the Patriots, 22 carries, 121 yards. I have to say, no, just just really impressive that they have some kind of offensive weapon because it feels like they just, their receivers, Jacoby Myers, Rex Burkhead, Izzo, who I don't know his first name, Johnson could be, Jack Johnson, for all we know, and James White, Jacob Johnson. Yeah, close enough. Uh, the Ravens, they're 6-3, and three, still in that playoff race, obviously. But this is just a big concern that every big game now just kind of seems like once the Ravens fall behind, you're just not confident they're coming back. Running the ball, they have four guys that can do it, but... 115 yards total between Lamar, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, and Mark Ingram. And no receiver over 70 yards. Willie Sneed, 64. Mark Andrews, 61. Devin Duvernay, 45. Edwards, 31. Ingram, 24. Marquise Brown, 14, which I think the real key for this Ravens team is to go get a wide receiver, whether it's in free agency or through the draft. They just need a number one wide receiver because... It can't be Mark Andrews. I mean, not that it can't. It could be Mark Andrews, but you kind of need more reliable weapons so you can kind of open up the offense a little more for someone like Andrews. But, I mean, going forward, this game I think was more, to me, it was more for maybe we believe in the Patriots. Maybe this is their time they can make a run. To me, they looked like they were dead in the water, but now maybe they have a chance. Finally, Monday night, Minnesota, I guess last night, Minnesota takes down Chicago, 19-13. These teams are going in absolute opposite directions. I don't even know if the the Bears now just on the bubble in the playoff hunt. They are 5-5, Minnesota now 4-5, one game back, and beat Chicago in Chicago. Kirk Cousins, 292 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Nick Foles, 106 yards and an interception. Just really mediocre from Foles. Cousins, just 
kind of did what he had to. Dalvin Cook, 30 carries, 96 yards. Cordero Patterson with 12 carries, 30 yards, led the team in rushing. I have to say, I really, there's a few teams that do this. It's the Bears with Patterson. The Panthers do this with Curtis Samuel. They just have wide receivers line up as running backs and hand the ball off. You're just getting all-purpose yards. That's kind of like, it's this age of football. It's age of sports, really, where position what what position you are doesn't matter. What it says on a, on a piece of paper doesn't matter once you're actually in the game. And, I mean... Adam Thielen, four receptions, 43 yards, and two touchdowns. Not their leading receiver. That was Justin Jefferson, eight receptions, 135 yards. The Vikings really do have a dynamic duo. Uh, Alexander Madison, two carries, four yards. The Vikings just kind of controlled the ball throughout the whole second half. And they get the win. They're in the playoff hunt now. I definitely, if you're thinking about confidence, you have to think of the Vikings over the Bears even if they're separated by a game it's the Bears fourth straight loss and I believe they're on their bye this week yes they are uh I guess let's look ahead to Thursday before we look at the playoff picture Arizona Seattle rematch of the now the DK Metcalf chase down game this time in Seattle Seattle's favored by three and a half I definitely think I like Seattle to win, but in a close game like this, uh, I would go with Arizona plus plus three and a half. I think that's a pretty fair bet. All right, let's look at the playoff picture. Uh, in the AFC, Pittsburgh is nine and zero. They're not going to have to face Kansas City. Kansas City's eight and one, coming off their bye. Buffalo seven and three. Indy takes over the division lead over Tennessee. They're six and three, and now this is the six and three group we already talked about: Las Vegas, Miami, Baltimore, Tennessee, Cleveland. New England's lingering, and that's about it. Then you you have Denver three and six, Cincinnati two six and one, the Chargers two and seven, Houston two and seven, Jacksonville one and eight, and the Jets zero and nine. So really, the Patriots are the only team to me that can really go. Well, they have to go on a run. They don't have to win out, but they virtually have to. It's looking a little bleak on their end. But Cleveland, I don't know what you can think of too much from that that game. Baker just does enough. They run the ball so well that. It could get them into the playoffs, but once they get in a playoff game, if they fall behind, let's say they get that last spot and they have to play Kansas City. If they fall down two touchdowns to Kansas City, Nick Chubb isn't going to run them back into the game. Obviously, if come January that happens, I will absolutely eat my words, but I just I don't have confidence in Cleveland, and that's Tennessee is I feel a little bit better about them. But I just I thought they were going to win that division, and now obviously they're tied with Indy at six and three. But they lost that game at home. Now you have to go to Indy to beat them and gain some footing back in the division. I think the only advantage that Tennessee really has is that, at least in my eyes, is that I trust Ryan Tannehill to make smarter plays more than Philip Rivers. 
other than that, Indianapolis's defense is way better. Their offensive line is better. Their running backs as a whole, to me, I know Jonathan Taylor hasn't looked great, but Naheem Hines, they kind of just, it's the point of the running back position is you can kind of just plug anybody in. I know Tennessee has arguably the best running back in Derrick Henry, but I would rather just have a few weapons than just one running back. Although Henry can't take over games. They're playing Baltimore this week. The Ravens, I think, I don't want to say it's panic time, but it's definitely it's definitely not looking great. So let's look at Baltimore for the rest of the year. I lost their schedule, but I don't know. Is anybody really watching Lamar and thinking, oh, this is great. I can't wait for him to just kind of pick this up in the playoffs and just figure it out. I don't really think anybody's thinking that, that they're just going to turn it on. They're favored by six and a half against Tennessee, and I definitely, I just, in my head, I would take Tennessee. All right, home for Tennessee uh, Thursday at Pittsburgh, uh, Thanksgiving night game. Uh, home for Dallas at Cleveland, home for Jacksonville, home for the Giants at Cincinnati. Okay, so basically from here you can I think you can split ten if they need to if they lose both Tennessee and Pittsburgh that puts them at 6 and 5 and might even be out of the playoff race. They split those. Dallas shouldn't really be a problem. At Cleveland's a big one. If they can beat Cleveland, that would probably cement themselves to a playoff as a playoff team. Then they kind of get three softballs at the end of the year. Home for Jacksonville, home for the New York Giants, who, I mean, could be battling for a division crown. I can't even say a playoff spot, just the division crown. And at Cincinnati, who they already dominated once this year, 27-3. It's realistic, but I think it comes down to that Tennessee-Pittsburgh they got to win at least one of those. I think that's what can turn this season around. Um, Miami, I think Miami is the most, really the most fun team out of this whole group. The, the team where I think if we had a fan vote, I think every every non-biased fan would want to see Miami in the playoffs. After their loss to Seattle, they're on now a... Five game winning streak. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Five game winning streak. Three of them with Tua. They have at Denver, at the Jets. Both teams kind of out of it. Home for Cincinnati, Tua versus Burrow. That's fun. Home for Kansas City. Could be a playoff preview. Home for New England, at the Raiders, and at Buffalo. And I mean, they could position themselves where they're only a game behind Buffalo. That. That Buffalo game, week 17, that could be for the division if they keep pace. You never know. They already did lose to Buffalo earlier this year, but still Miami. Let's, we all just, we expect, honestly, I expect them to be a playoff team. I could see them being, the, to me, I would say if you're doing confidence, I would say Kansas City's one. Pittsburgh, to me, just is a little shaky. Pittsburgh would be two. And then I would put Buffalo, and then Miami, Baltimore, Tennessee, Cleveland. Actually, I'd probably put Vegas 
Vegas, Baltimore, Tennessee. Tennessee beats Baltimore. Obviously, they can move up then. Uh, so yeah, that's the uh, the AFC, NFC. Green Bay is a one seed, seven and two. I don't think. I think the rest of that division is just gonna nip at each other. It just depends to me really at this point if Green Bay is getting the one seed or not. New Orleans, they're also seven and two. You don't know how long Breeze has gone for. Arizona six and three. Let's see. Let's Arizona to me is the first. So this week they're at Seattle. And then they go at New England, home for the Rams, at the Giants, home for Philly, home for the 49ers, and at the Rams. So they have both their Rams games left. They already beat Seattle once. They already beat San Francisco. They're positioning themselves well. Wait, have they lost in their division? Oh, they're 2-0. So they still have yeah, at Seattle, home for the Rams home for San Francisco at LA so really to me what could trip them up is these back-to-back road games and I don't I could see them beating Seattle and losing to New England it's really how this team goes it's felt a little more up and down than six and three but I don't know I don't think 12 12 wins I mean that's one one loss the rest of the way I think that at Giants home for Eagles could be very dependent on who is in like who who's winning the division or how close it is both of those teams could be out of it by the time they're playing the Ram or playing the Cardinals um Philly three five and one I guess let's look at what Philly has going down the stretch um Philly this week is at Cleveland and I don't love that game for them I don't love that defense getting at Carson Wentz. Um, then they go home for Seattle, at Green Bay, home for New Orleans, at Arizona, at Dallas, home for Washington. That is a rough stretch. I could see them losing these next five games. Maybe once they get to the New Orleans game, cold weather might be their advantage, but those those are rough. The Giants really might have a shot. Let's... Let's look at what the Giants have. I think this race just became a little more interesting because these are these are not easy matchups. Uh, the Giants, I think, are on their bye this week. They are okay. Um, Giants, Giants, Giants. So obviously coming off the win against the Eagles by this week at Cincinnati, at Seattle, home for Arizona. Home for Cleveland at Baltimore. Home for Dallas. Wow, this this is not any easier. That Cincinnati game, I think it's actually going to be a really good game. That is a complete toss-up. At Seattle, that's rough. That's, again, playoffs, playoff implications. Home for Arizona. That could be where Arizona flip, where they slip up. Home for Cleveland, who you, can, you never know what Cleveland's going to do. At Baltimore, a little rough. Home for Dallas, week seventeen. But at that rate, you might it might not even matter. So they both have really rough stretches, and the Giants are three and seven. The Eagles are three five and one. This is this is a race. At least it became a little more interesting. Tampa seven and three. They're pretty solidified in the playoffs. Uh, the Rams. Let's look at the Rams. 
This week they're at Tampa again. I think Tampa's pretty... Maybe they can come back in the division, but they have two losses to the Saints. I, I just kind of think that derails their chances. Rams, ow. At Tampa, home for San Francisco. At Arizona, home for the Patriots. Home for the Jets. At Seattle, <clears throat> home for Arizona. Not great, but I mean, they get, they get I'd say, three favorable matchups where they're all at home for the 49ers, Patriots, and the Jets. They have both Cardinals games, which again, to me, I think is probably a split. And then at Seattle, which they just beat Seattle. We don't know what condition Seattle's going to be come week 16. Could they? Be, I mean, I doubt they'll be out of the race, which is why that game is going to be huge. In fact, let's look at let's look at Seattle. Say so yeah, at home, home for Arizona t- uh, Thursday. Then they've got. At Philly, oh wait, I did go through this. At Philly, home for the Giants, the Jets, at Washington. So again, you go four and one in that stretch. You're looking at ten and four. That's that's a lot different. Yeah, ten and four. That seems looking a lot different because that schedule is pretty soft, and I think that kind of makes it easier to see them as a playoff team. I think I might have overreacted thinking that their season's done. And then in the hunt, oddly enough, the 8, 9, and 10 seed are all NFC North teams. Bears at 5 and 5, Vikings 4 and 5, Lions 4 and 5. And then you kind of got the unrealistic, but maybe is San Francisco 4 and 6, Atlanta 3 and 6, and the Giants 3 and 7. And then Carolina 3 and 7, Washington, Dallas 2 and 7. Kind of. Once the Giants, even the Giants are stretching it, not that they're going to make a playoff run, but they could come back in the division. So that's about it for the NFL. Let's, let's head over to the NBA because really when I, when I was looking up what to talk about, I kind of almost forgot that this happened. Um, the first really big trade, which felt like it was at 12... 1201 as soon as this trade season opened Phoenix Suns trade for Chris Paul and Abdel Nader they give up Kelly Oubre Ricky Rubio Ty Jerome Jalen I still don't remember how to say his name like like you and a 2022 first round pick for Phoenix you get Chris Paul all NBA first ballot Hall of Famer make Devin Booker happy a pretty good trio now of Chris Paul Devin Booker DeAndre Ayton Chris Paul, eight and pick and rolls. I feel like it's just when I think about it, it makes me think of the Clippers and Lob City. I think the Western Conference is always going to be more competitive, but I think there's what, 12 teams that are realistic playoff teams? Maybe even 13. The only teams I could think of, and we'll get to what they've done recently, but Sacramento and San Antonio to me, and San Antonio can always can always pull this together. I mean, for OKC, they turned Russell Westbrook, who we know Russell Westbrook trade rumors are going on, they turned it into a 2024 first-round pick, a 2026 first, and pick swaps next year, 2021 and 2025. He then flipped Chris Paul, had him for one year for Ubre, Rubio, Jerome, LeCue, in the 2022 first. The Suns... 
almost made the playoffs already. They almost made the play-in tournament, and now, I don't know if I talked about it last episode, but when Woj went through the season, one of the details, and to me, well, the most interesting is that there's going to be another play-in tournament. It's going to be seven, the seven through ten seeds. I don't know how that that'll work, but now it's ten playoff teams. So really, in the West, especially, all fifteen teams are going to be in this. Unless some teams are really ready to blow it up. Some other news on the day. DeMar DeRozan accepted his $27 million player option. Doesn't really mean much. Could still easily get traded. I know apparently the Hawks were interested. And there's going to be teams interested. Um, Wow. Oklahoma City. I just wanted to go back to this. They have 17 first round picks. Between now and 2027, they have made major moves. And wow, even when once you just compare trades, it's a little harder, especially the world we're in now. So this Chris Paul trade was quite a bit. San Antonio before with the Raptors, they gave up Kawhi and Danny Green. And they got DeMar, Jakob Hurdle, and a protected first round pick. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins apparently going to have plenty of offers coming back. I think just the real real concern from him is just staying healthy. Get him on a contender and that'll be fun. Uh, one of the bigger stories, which I hate doing this now because I feel like I'm just going to miss. There's going to be some crazy new deal that happens while I'm recording this or just after when I'm going to upload got to keep refreshing Woj make sure he doesn't doesn't say nothing crazy happens it's really been James Harden Houston and now even more development to the story was that Houston apparently is not happy that their owner Tillman Fertitta Fertitta I don't know his last name Fertitta I think is how you actually say it Uh, as a Republican supporter put money into his support and apparently a bunch of guys in Houston don't like that. And that's a big reason why they want out. And for James Harden, the two teams, it really started as Philly and Brooklyn. And now it is really narrowed in on being Brooklyn, which I don't want to be the, cause this was the argument when golden state got together. It was, well, there's, there's only one ball to go around. I mean, I think the real issue with that trade would be how do Kyrie and James Harden kind of play off of each other because they're both kind of isolation players and not that they don't like passing the ball, but it's just, it's a lot of scoring on a team. It's, but it just kind of feels like a 2K team that you're throwing together. Um... So yeah, Philly, Brooklyn, Brooklyn's trade out trade offer would have to be Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, and multiple picks to me. That's that's be the only way I'm moving a guy like James Harden. Although it's pennies on the dollar. Uh, more player free agency rumors. Just Avery Bradley, pretty good uh, guard defender. Have interest from the Warriors, Bucks, and definitely contenders. Uh, Jeremy Grant declines his player option. He's going to get a big raise. Robin Lopez declines his player option. He might get a raise. Uh, 
the Chicago Bulls are not going to offer, are not sending a qualifying offer to Chris Dunn. The Clippers are a team that's going to be interested. Again, a point guard or just a guard in general that can play pretty good defense. Not necessarily a ball handler. The Portland Trailblazers are expected to show interest in signing Paul Millsap. This was before their trade. Then it became James Harden's intention is to land in Brooklyn. Uh, He was working out in L.A. with Durant and Kyrie Irving, which I think obviously started these rumors. I think a really fascinating one, the Lakers reached out to the Pelicans and tried to offer... Kyle Kuzma, Danny Green, the number 28 pick, and more for Drew Holiday. The Pelicans did not accept, were not interested. Uh, also, James Harden declined a contract extension that would have paid him $50 million a year, and I'm not here to talk about anybody's money. That's just an insane amount of money, and now he just wants to be a Brooklyn Ned and it's kind of... Just trying to force his move there. Um, Really, a lot of this news is just Houston-Brooklyn related. The Sixers were apparently interested in Drew Holiday. Oh, yeah, James Harden's Instagram story. He just took off the cap of a bottle. And I think everybody was just... He's trying to say that these rumors aren't true. He's not confirming or denying anything. Um... and then last night, we just kind of had a really, it was a couple minutes and then turned into about an hour and a bit of just what's happening. The Portland Trailblazers acquire Robert Covington, who I even had in my notes before the Milwaukee Bucks were interested. They acquire Robert Covington from Houston for Trevor Ariza, a former Rocket, the number 16 pick uh, for the draft Wednesday, and a 2021 protected first round pick. I like Robert Covington. I think he's a good modern NBA player. He's a 3 and D type. He won't have to play center with Portland. I just think two first-round picks is kind of a lot for Covington. But I guess if Portland's trying to go all in, that's that's completely fair. The other one, I mean, just within the day, it was, okay, the Lakers are interested in Drew Holiday. Okay, the Sixers are interested in Drew Holiday. And then we got the Drew Holiday trade. The Milwaukee Bucks acquired, acquired Drew Holiday. They get Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and three first-round picks. Uh, three first-round picks and two pick swaps. Again, that's a lot for Drew Holiday. He's, again, your point card now, a primary ball handler, someone to play off of Giannis. But now they're going all in and... If they if Giannis doesn't sign the Supermax, which everybody assumes he's going to sign, I honestly, the Supermax kind of goes up every year, but it's just because he's played for the Bucks his whole career, they have his bird rights and can offer him the most amount of money and the most amount of years. So they're just, they're going all in. I'm not mad about that, but really the Pelicans turned Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday into Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Bledsoe, George Hill, seven first-round picks, one second, and four pick swaps for two guys. That's that is quite a bit. Um, the chatter was that Giannis will sign as supermax before December twenty-first, the day before the season. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, obviously, as we're moving towards free agency, 
the team he got linked to was the Mavericks. And I think that'd be really fun. Defensively, I don't know, but just Luca, Gallinari, Porzingis, that's just a fun team. Uh, we had a few minutes of uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, it was Atlanta, could have been Milwaukee. And then really just a few minutes later, the trade happened. A sign and trade, uh, Milwaukee trades, Dante DiVincenzo, Ursan Ilyasova, and DJ Wilson. So again, Milwaukee made these moves and now have a potential starting lineup of Drew Holiday, Bogdanovich, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. That's an improved team. That kind of clears the lane a little bit for Giannis, who at the end of games, he could be your center and you could put another shooter out there. That's really not... I mean, Brooke Lopez can shoot, but Milwaukee has been going all in. And I don't think we can get... I'm definitely not mad at that. I'm just... They needed to change their team. Uh, Other kind of... News rumors going around. A few of the Lakers, so Avery Bradley's a free agent, Rajon Rondo free agent. The Lakers actually don't think I mentioned this. They signed Dennis or they trade for Dennis Schroeder. I don't know if that's official yet, but for Danny Green and the twenty eighth pick in this year's draft. Again, another first round pick for Oklahoma City. Uh Contavious Caldwell Pope opted out of his contract. Everyone assumes he's gonna go back. Uh, Boston wanted Drew Holiday. They were trying to move Kemba in some way. An interesting rumor because it came out after the Kings have already made this trade, which is why I don't think they really even want to be a playoff contender. So they trade Bogdanovich. I thought it was to save room for Buddy Heald, who now apparently Denver and Sacramento have talked about a trade involving Buddy Heald going from Sacramento to Denver. I don't really know how how that'll work, but we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, before, with Russell Westbrook, I wrote down it was the Hornets, Knicks, and Clippers. Now it's only Charlotte, New York are the two teams with verified trade interest. I don't know what is really going to happen, but Houston might blow it up, and that opens up another playoff spot. Again, Serge Ibaka... The Nets, the Nets are looking at him. Obviously, the Raptors want him back, and the Lakers. Everybody will be interested in a guy like that. Uh, so that's that's about it. Still, just trying to make sure there aren't any last second. Just before, obviously, we got the NBA draft. I'm just not. There's going to be so much going on that really, once we get past. Not that the draft's not going to be interesting, but it's just... This is the one thing I don't like about the NBA draft, is they make trades, but they don't become official right away. They're just reported trades, and this guy is sitting there with the wrong hat on. We all know this trade happened. Like it happened with Luka and Trey Young. They were wearing hats, and we already knew the trade happened. It's just kind of weird and unfortunate. I imagine there's going to be a lot of wheeling and dealing, so doing a mock draft to me doesn't even seem worth it because... They said the Timberwolves, number one, the Warriors at number two. Those picks are in play in a trade in some some capacity, so everything is on the table. All right, we'll be back Saturday. I don't even want to call it the Friday, so it'll be the Saturday 
episode, we'll go through Thursday Night Football, just kind of the lead up, I guess, towards NBA free agency. And yeah, that's about it. Besides that, we'll see you next time.